Good morning, fellow explorers. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is Sunday, June 4th, 2023, and my name is Murr. I am with Siren Soapbox, and I and one or two of my friends sometimes come here. We're here almost every Sunday. Sometimes we need a break. But we come here to share some positive news stories that have been um, reported recently. The thing is, there really is a lot of positive news out there, but we have to look for it. We have to be purposeful about adding some joy to our lives. So seeking out happiness, joy, positivity, and the like, that will dilute the negative garbage that we're sort of bombarded with each and every day. So... For the next 20 minutes or so, sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and let the happiness and joy seep into your life. Sorry, I should have told you I was taking a coffee break. <laughs> so today is June 4th. Uh, we, today's national holidays include National Cheese Day. Um, last night, Mark made bacon cheeseburgers, and they were delicious. I had mine with Swiss. The boys had cheddar. I'm curious what your favorite cheese is. Um, you'll have to let us know. Reach out at sirensoapbox.com. Um, contact us. It's also National Hug Your Cat Day. I have one cat that I would not hug, but I have a couple that I would. Well, actually, just I only have two cats. Come on. Let's be real, people. I'm not... I'm not that cat lady yet. Um, the audacity to hope day and friends, I dare you to hope. Hope brings, it's such a positive thing in our life. If you, if you are hopeful, if you have something to look forward to, it automatically makes you a happier person. So get your hope on friends. And it's also oddly enough, national shopping cart day. So, you know, those little buggies that you push around the store, let's give homage to those. And June 4th also starts Pet Appreciation Week. Um, fun facts about uh, our, our beloved pets. The world's first dog show took place in Newcastle in 1859. So that was... 150 years ago, more 160 years ago, it, but it wasn't until 1873, so like 14 years later, that the kennel club, the kennel club, was established, and it was established in order to um, foster some fairness in the dog shows. So we have a few ideas for you. You could celebrate by teaching your pet a new trick or two. Maybe buy them a new toy, or whip up a tasty homemade healthy meal or treat. For your pet to enjoy. All right. So, speaking of pets, the our first story comes out of Canada from the Ottawa Humane Society. They post on their Facebook page um, back on May 9th. Our camera broke, so we've resorted to drawing our adoptable animals. This is on their public Facebook page. They had four different artistic interpretations of the animals that are up for adoption, and they are absolutely adorable. They are not at all lifelike. It's like you're looking at 
just an adorable little cartoon or something I would have painted on the cover of a journal or something. So the four lucky pets that got to have their portrait painted. We have Addison. She's a two-year-old pug mix. She was the very first uh, pup to make an appearance. Then there were two rabbits. Their names were Espresso and Annie. And then the last pet that had his um, or her, I'm not sure, portrait painted was six-year-old Pumpkin. And she's just a fat, happy kitty cat. <laughs> so they later updated their Facebook page with this. It turns out we just left the lens cap on. That's a relief. We weren't sure how much longer we could keep this up. <laughs> and then they were able to share some actual photographs of the, of the little uh, pets that are up for adoption. So Stephen Smith, he is the director of the Ottawa Humane Society. He told Fox Digital, quote, funny enough, the camera wasn't actually broken, but the posts were so popular that Smith said the staff will keep drawing their beloved pets as long as the public continues to enjoy them. Turns out it's been a great way to garner interest in the animals that are up for adoption. So that's a fun story. I love to paint pets. Uh, my friend and co-host LC does pet portraits and she um, does them in watercolor. So you should check her out, lcaquart.com, if you're interested in having a pet portrait done. So our next story is about a man named Christian Cooper. He is a bird watcher, a comic book artist, and a scientist who found himself at the center of some drama a few years ago, back in 2020, when a woman named Amy Cooper, who is of no relation, lost her mind in Central Park after he told her that she needed to put her dog on a leash in order to be in compliance with the law. She yelled at this guy. She threatened him. She called 911 as she was hollering to another bird watcher that she was calling the cops to, quote, to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. So all of this nonsense got her in to a lot of bull. Christian Cooper, on the other hand, is killing it, man. He is pretty excited to announce that he's starring in and hosting a brand new show produced by National Geographic. It is called Extraordinary Birder. It's a six episode series and it premieres on June 17th. So set your uh, DVRs or whatever you do, be sure to watch that. The fun of birding is you never know what you're going to get. This is what birding is about. That's what Christian, who is 60 years old, says in the trailer of the show. And this, that trailer shows him um, hiking and kayaking, walking over rope bridges to meet some of the nation's most interesting birds. It's really, it looks very interesting. Um, in the latest promotion for the show, not, National Geographic has this to say. Whether braving stormy seas in Alaska for puffins, trekking into rainforests in Puerto Rico for parrots, or scaling a bridge in Manhattan for a peregrine falcon, he does whatever it takes to learn about these extraordinary feathered creatures and show us the remarkable world in the sky above. So congratulations to you, Christian. We are all rooting for you, and I cannot wait to see this show. Um, 
we on Box did some birding one time. We used an app, which I'm going to not remember right off the top of my head, but I will look it up and, and put it in the show notes because it's a really cool app. But you can open up this app and you can, oh, it's called Merlin Bird ID. Merlin, like the magician, Bird ID. You can open up this app and it will listen to the birds that are singing around you and it will help you identify which birds you are listening to. It's really cool. Um, You can even record them so that you can listen to them later or submit them to the database. It's a really nice app. I highly suggest you check it out if you're at all interested in bird feeding or bird watching. I said bird feeding because I was thinking about putting a feeder out to attract birds. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Our next story comes to us out of Texas. Um, I believe this is in... I know it's in Texas. I'll have to find the city. Sorry about that. I did not mean to stumble over my words this morning, but here we go. It's about a girl named Morgan Hartman. She was born with physical and cognitive disabilities. She's nonverbal, but she's just got the brightest, happiest spirit, according to her dad, whose name is Gordon Hartman. So Morgan spent nearly her entire life without a diagnosis, which must have felt a bit frustrating for her parents. Um, They did eventually get what they were looking for. We'll get to that. Morgan's dad, Gordon, told CBS News, he said, quote, in 2006, we were on a family vacation where I watched Morgan not be able to participate in a pool activity with three other children, and it was simply because she was not able to be verbal. It almost puts a lump in your throat because it gives you a sad feeling that all Morgan wants is to participate, just want it to play. So that incident inspired Gordon to build an inclusive theme park. It became his brand new obsession. (laughs) He was a builder and he was able to solicit the help of some other experts. And this theme park known as Morgan's Wonderland was born in 2010. Gordon calls the theme park, quote, ultra accessible. Hartman told CBS That's the beauty of this place is that it's an opportunity for everyone to truly enjoy playing together. But also, no matter what their condition may be, that's not a question anymore. So what started as a theme park has actually grown to include a sports center and a camp with an outdoor adventure park. And they even have an inclusive water park. Well, what if they have an electric wheelchair, you say? No worries. Morgan's Wonderland has a solution for that. So Gordon says, we have a wheelchair valet. You go from your wheelchair to a wheelchair that has been specially built to the size that you need. And if you're in a battery operated wheelchair, we actually give you a nomadic wheelchair, which works off compressed air. It works underwater. That's amazing. Um, Gordon has been able to experience firsthand just how his accessible theme park can change lives through happiness and joy. He said that he met a couple from Mexico City and they'd never had a chance to, this is him quote, this is a quote from him, 
and they never had a chance to, because of their special needs, ever a chance to play in water together. They heard about it, they came here, they cried with me, and talked to me about how this was the most beautiful opportunity they ever had. That's just amazing. We take a lot of things for granted, friends. Morgan's Wonderland is the only inclusive theme park in the world, and as if the place couldn't be any cooler, people with disabilities are able to enjoy the park with absolutely zero admission, so very cool. Gordon Hartman said, it's the small things that make the big difference, having fun, and for too long, I think, individuals had to watch and say, I wish I could. Here at Morgan's Wonderland and all the different Morgan's venues, you don't watch, you participate. And as promised, I told you, in 2022, when Morgan was 28 years old, her and her family finally received a diagnosis. Morgan has Tatton-Brown-Raman syndrome, which is a rare genetic disease. Our last story for you today is about a woman named Jamie West, who holds a special place in her heart for the beloved fast food chain, White Castle. If you aren't familiar with White Castle, they are the little hamburger shop that is all over the country now, basically, shaped like a castle, and they sell their infamous sliders. Well, after a tumultuous childhood, which included entering the Arizona foster care system by four years old, then living amongst, she says, 94 different foster homes, six shelters, a group home, and a treatment center, Jamie found herself homeless, and she was only 12 years old, friends. So she traveled the country spending, this, this story is amazing, you can read about it, um, I'll have a link to it. But she traveled the country, spending a couple of years in California, then hitchhiking across the country, doing some um, farm work or odd jobs for money. And when she was 15 years old, she was somewhere in the South when she first saw, um, I'm sorry, when she first saw a White Castle restaurant. That's where they, well, they started in Cincinnati, I think. Anyway, I shouldn't spread lies, allegedly. So... According to Jamie, she walked in and the woman who was working there said, oh, sugar, you poor thing, you go in that bathroom and get yourself cleaned up. And so she did. And she says she cried in the bathroom because she was, quote, being treated like a human. Not only that, but the woman gave Jamie all the hamburgers she was making and three large cups of ice water. And Jamie said it was enough food to share with her friends for several days. After that, she associated White Castle with being a safe place, a place where she would be fed and be treated well. Um, she didn't go in very often. She said she didn't want to take advantage of the kindness, but she always knew that it was a it, it could be a haven for her. And by the time she was 17, she found an aunt who would take her in and supported her while she unlearned some things and worked really hard to develop a, a pretty good life for herself. She met the man who would eventually become her husband. His name is Drew Schmidt, 15 years ago now, and they own and operate a home roofing company together. It is called Schmidt Roofing. Well, recently, Jamie 
learned White Castle was opening a location near them, and she made Drew, her husband, well, he was her just her boyfriend at the time, not just, but he was her boyfriend at the time. Jamie said, we have to camp out. We are going to be the first people to eat in that new restaurant. So they did. They camped out in the parking lot. They wore crowns. They wielded plastic swords. She could not be more excited to to have a White Castle near her again. Um, so the news, some news channel showed up and Jamie shared her story. And then the White Castle um, CEO ultimately ended up making Jamie West a member of their White Castle Hall of Fame. There was a big ceremony at the restaurant. Um, everybody dressed in like, I, I don't know, it was, it was almost like medieval. It, they went, they really leaned into the whole castle theme. And while they were at this ceremony, Drew proposed to Jamie and she knew immediately that that was where they had to have their wedding. So they certainly did. They had their <laughs> wedding and the reception at White Castle. They fed 200 guests. So they had like a mountain of sliders. Another thing that White Castles has is cheesecake on a stick. That was what they had for their guests for dessert. But they also had a giant wedding cake that was in the shape of a slider. So it looked like a, just a giant slider. Um, <laughs> so that's a, it's a pretty fun story to see how her life has evolved and how thankful she is for that woman. And, you know, Jamie, she's married now. She's a small business owner. She thinks about what she would say to that first White Castle employee who made her feel so safe when she was only 15 years old. And uh, Jamie told today, she said, quote, I would hug her and just say, thank you for being the reason I exist right now, not knowing what you were doing and just feeding somebody because you're a good human. Honestly, I don't even have the words. <laughs> so this got me thinking <laughs> about some jokes like this one. How does a hand hamburger introduce his wife? Meet Patty. <laughs> what did one hamburger bun say to the other hamburger bun? Um, nothing. They had beef between them. <laughs> Where do hamburgers go to dance? Meatball. <laughs> How do you stop someone from stealing your grill? with a burger alarm. <laughs> and I promise this is the last corny joke. What do frog princes like to eat with their hamburgers? French flies. <laughs> if I could get the sound effects working, I would have went womp, womp, womp. And to leave you with some facts for the week about the beloved hamburger. These came from the website for Half Wall Restaurant and Craft Beer. They are in Florida. They want it, they, I guess they're known for their burgers. They have 10 specialty burgers and they wanted to leave some facts about burgers for their patrons on their website. So one fact that I found interesting was that in 1921, White Castle first opened and sold their burgers for five cents a piece. And it is the oldest burger chain in America. Hmm, the more you know, kids. One of the largest hamburgers on record 
weighed 3,591 pounds. It was made in Rutland, North Dakota. It's probably Rutland. Rutland, North Dakota in 1982 and consumed by 8,000 people. Dang. I know some people who wouldn't be eating that burger. It feels like a lot of people. Okay, this I find very interesting. To avoid using German names. Oh, because I didn't tell you the first fact. Uh, fact number one is that the name hamburger was derived from Hamburg steaks that were introduced to the United States by German immigrants. So to avoid using German names, soldiers referred to hamburgers as the Liberty Sandwich during World War I. Fascinating. I know we started doing that. There were a lot of bars and restaurants after Russia attacked Ukraine that stopped ordering Russian mules and they started calling them um, vodka mules or something like that. In 1968, the first Big Mac was introduced and sold for a mere 49 cents. And... There are reports that 14 billion burgers are consumed by Americans each year, which averages to about three burgers per week. And that got me wondering, how many burgers do you guys eat per week? I'm curious. Let me know. Um, I had two this week. So there, there you go. But that's all I have for you this week, folks. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. And until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy.